Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus said to his disciples, You give them something to eat. Put yourselves in the shoes, or better yet, the sandals of the apostles, of the disciples. What would be going through your mind when you hear these words of Jesus? How would you react? As you are thinking about that, consider the context surrounding these words. In the Gospel of Matthew, we just learned that John the Baptist had been killed. Jesus has just received word that his cousin is dead at the hands of Herod, killed for proclaiming the word of God. At hearing this, Jesus seeks to withdraw to a desolate place and be alone with his disciples. We know that Jesus mourned the death of Lazarus, so I think we can safely assume that Jesus was mourning the death of his own cousin as well. So he takes his disciples and he heads away from the crowds. But the crowds follow him. In fact, they overrun him. And when Jesus arrives on shore, there are 5,000 men, plus women and children, waiting for him, many looking to him for help. The disciples, they're watching the sun slowly start to dip below the horizon. It is late. They are all tired. There is very little food. And they are, quite frankly, in the middle of nowhere. Oh, and I think that they are probably scared, too. Herod just killed John, Jesus' own cousin. Would Jesus be next? Would they be next? And so they approach Jesus and say, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. We have only five loaves here and two fish, say the disciples. To which Jesus softly replies, bring them to me. Again, I will ask you to think about how you would respond if you were the disciples. Or what do you think is going through their minds? I think one of the most common ways to read the disciples' response here is as just another example of their bumbling nature and their lack of faith. In Matthew chapter 6 and 8, Jesus has already chastised them for their lack of faith. And again, in chapters 14, 16, and 17, Jesus will call them out on their lack of faith, even then, despite having seen him feed the 5,000. Yet here, in this desolate place, they doubt we have only five loaves here and two fish. What can you possibly do with so little? Seems to be the unwritten second half of their statement. Doubt is certainly an obvious and a common way to read the disciples' response here, but I think that there is more than one way to understand their actions. For one, I think we see their greed here. Recall that they are at the end of a long and emotional day. They see the crowds and they think to themselves, all I really want to do is sit down with my friends and eat this little bit of food that we have. I don't want to share what little I have with all these other people, these people that just keep making my day longer. 
Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. Let them fend for themselves, they could just as easily be saying. Or perhaps they just don't want to share Jesus. They are selfish. They are, after all, his inner circle. He handpicked each and every one of them to be his disciple. Jesus belongs to them. They don't want to share him with these crowds, these crowds that just keep taking from Jesus. How many more sick people can there possibly be in this crowd, they ask themselves. Send the crowds away. It's our time, Jesus. Or to read this in a more generous light, perhaps, the disciples are trying to be compassionate and take control of an unwieldy situation. Their generosity manifests itself in their need for control. Send the crowds away to go into the villages. This crowd is so hungry and tired. Wouldn't it be a good idea for them to go get some rest and some food? We are all the way out here in the middle of nowhere after all. However you read it, the ultimate reality is that the disciples are all struck by the law. Jesus gives them a command and they cannot obey. They have come face to face with their own limitations, their own failings, with their sin. They, themselves of their own accord, cannot do what God commands. And it is in this little crack that their sinful nature comes through. Their doubt, their greed, their selfishness, or their need for control. All the disciples are convicted by the simple command of Jesus, give them something to eat. Now, do any of these scenarios sound familiar to you? I don't mean the story, the story in Matthew. I know that you have heard this hundreds, if not thousands of times. I mean, does any of this sound familiar from your own life? Have you ever been asked here at the church to serve on a committee and you doubt, thinking to yourself, I have nothing to offer. What can they possibly do with what little I have? Or has a friend, neighbor, or even the church asked you to help with the project, either with labor or with money, but you hesitate because greedily you just do not want to give up the gifts that God has given you, especially not your time or your money? Or in the workplace or in school, when given the opportunity to share Jesus with a friend or colleague, do you selfishly stop short because Jesus is special to you and you do not want to share him with others? Or do you have a need for control, making plans for yourself, telling yourself that you don't need God's gifts, that you have it all under control? Don't worry, God, you say, I will let you know when I need your help. If I'm being honest with you this morning, I can say that all of these describe me at one time or another, probably this past week, if not the last 24 hours. Does any of this sound familiar to you? Now, hear these words of Jesus again. Thus far you have heard them as law, and rightfully so. But now I invite you to hear them as gospel. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. Hear these words from the one who spoke creation into existence. Let there be light, and there was light. Hear these words from the one who made water spring forth from a rock in the desert and gave manna to the grumbling Israelites. 
hear these words from the one who proclaimed, To Telestai, it is finished. Hear these from the one who promises, Today you will be with me in paradise. And hear these words from the one who proclaims, Your sins are forgiven. In the confession and declaration of grace this morning, Jesus proclaims right here today to you, you are forgiven. And so you are. Hear these words of Jesus as gospel. Jesus Christ with the Father and the Holy Spirit is the God of all creation. When he speaks, it is when he says, you give them something to eat, it comes with the power of God. It is not just the law convicting them. It is also Jesus empowering them to do the work that he has established for them to do. You see, Jesus does not simply leave it there with the command. He knows the limitations of his disciples. He knows their doubts, their fears, and their worries. And so Jesus says, Bring them to me. Jesus takes the loaves and the fish. He blesses them and he gives them to the disciples to distribute to the crowd. And this, I think, is such a beautiful illustration of what Christ does in our lives. He takes what little, what little we have and he blesses it. And then he uses us to bless others. Jesus certainly could have fed that crowd by himself. He made water gush forth from a rock, and he made manna fall from heaven. He certainly did not need the disciples. But he showed the disciples that what little they had to offer, he could use for his glory and for his purposes. Now that Christ is ascended, he continues his work through his body here on earth, the church, you, you are part of that body. You are baptized. In the waters of baptism, God chose you. You were baptized into Christ's death. And you were given new life in his resurrection. You are part of the body of Christ. And as such, Peter says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. In the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus does for his disciples what they cannot do for themselves. In Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, he does for you and he does for me what we cannot do for ourselves. You are Redeemed, You are reconciled to God. You are forgiven. Not because of anything that you have done. But Christ saved you, and he saved me, because we cannot save ourselves. And as the 5,000 ate and were filled, you too are filled with the bread of life, which is Jesus Christ, when you eat his body and you drink his blood in Holy Communion. Here, you are literally filled with Christ. Christ is inside of you through the bread and the wine. And dwelling in you, Christ is doing, Christ does, what you cannot do yourself. He reconciles you to God. You are 
a new creation in Christ Jesus. We are living now in some troubling times. We are isolated and alone. Some of us have gotten sick or know someone who's gotten sick or even died from this virus. We often feel overwhelmed, overburdened, and quite frankly, unequal to the task at hand, much like the disciples in that desolate place so long ago. But when the worries of this life become too much to bear, when you think that what you have to offer is simply not enough, Jesus is always beside you, inside you, inviting you to take whatever doubt, sin, and limitations that you have to bring them here to him. Thanks be to God. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.